1: <laughs> it would be a Wolves fan, eh?
2: <laughs> On goes four, people might get winning here for Wolves, flaps in the shot. What a-
3: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Rich here to talk us through yet another defeat. It was all looking so rosy after Saturday and even rosy after half time as well. It all came crippling down about 90 seconds into the second half. Joining me to talk about the game, the latest um, managerial updates around Wolves and a quick look at Leicester. I've got Andy and Tom. Um, I'm going to start off with this, lads. Is there any worse place than Selhurst Park for Wolves fans? Because it just
1: feels like bloody Mordor these days. (laughs) As as an older fan, yeah, as an older fan, it goes way back to the playoffs. And it's always been miserable since the 90s. So, yeah, completely agree.
2: And it hasn't changed since the 90s as well. No, never. It's (laughs) exactly the same ground. Denise ripping out.
3: No, it was a, uh, yeah, I, I know. Like um, for those who travelled down, it was apparently a bit of a nightmare getting down. Where you know who who would have thought trying to get to London during rush hour would be uh would be tricky. But yeah, it. it I, you know what's really annoying? I after Saturday, I talked myself into that we we're going to win, and I was convinced. <laughs> and you know, even when I looked at the uh, even when the starting lineup came out and. I know there were changes and people were hinting at it before the game, but um, there's going to be a few, but um, I guess the standout ones to come in were um, Hugo Bueno and um, Traore in the middle of the park. Um, I mean, on first glance for me, that's one of the most like balanced lineups we've had in, in quite a while in terms of square pegs in square holes, would you say Andy,
1: Absolutely. I mean, the fact that we've got a left-footed centre-half, a right-footed centre-half, a left-footed left-back, a right-footed right-back. It's very well balanced. And also, it has that nice mix between some of your older heads. So you've got your players who've been around the block a bit, like your Samedo, and then you're bringing in the, the fresh blood as well. So it did have a bit of everything, and it's probably as excited I've been about a starting eleven as it's been for quite some time, to be honest.
3: Yeah, Tom, Tom, were you happy with it? I know um, you've spoken sort of fairly highly of of Triori in the middle of parking, the, you know, the cameos he's made so far. And it, it definitely felt like it was something needed, especially considering our, our frailties against Palace last season.
2: Yeah, definitely. It was all about control in the middle. Um, we got done twice. Last year and countless times before that, with just nothing in the in, in the middle, basically just getting overrun time and time again. So that was nice, um, and yeah, I completely agree with the balance side of things. It was also quite nice because it allowed you know Nevers could sort of sit and it had two more a lot more mobile uh, centre mids running around rather than having sort of Matinho stepping on Nevers' toes. Um, you know, so I thought that, that that was quite good. It was also quite nice to see Costa starting because I think there was a bit of chat, wasn't there, about maybe him being taken out just just for a breather because of his legs and whatever. But um, that 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 pleased me as well. So yeah, as a, as a balanced team, it was it was it was decent.
3: Yeah, I think that's definitely something that um, Steve Davis has done so far in in the games he's managed. Is I think well, but bar the first game, um, which I think was understandable given sort of suspensions and things like that. They've all kind of tried to keep it quite simple and keep some of the game plan quite simple as well in, in terms of how we go about attacking. But you mentioned Diego, it's probably the best place to start because when he got off to a right cracker, um, apart from the fact he decided to fluff what was probably one of the biggest chances of the game, I still can't get my head around why he didn't shoot first time
2: he's turned back inside he's turned back inside to the man it just mm. it was bizarre watching it um it was a nice bit of play, you know quite a nice bit of play a through ball between the two centre halves I, I genuinely cannot remember the last time that's happened um yeah. full stop um you know the sort of bread and butter type you know sort of fifa type things you know <laughs> and um he's just he's got the whole goal you know he's got the whole goal to open uh, you know he's like, you open up his body and just put it in this you know put it in that um in the far corner and for, I, I don't know it, maybe it's come too early for him, I've got no idea, maybe too early, too way, too early in the game and too early in his sort of Wolves career, but um, it was, yeah, it was a guilt edge chance that was.
3: Because the only thing I could sort of put it down to was he didn't want to take it in the position he was, because the only side he could have put it on was the goalkeeper's left on that right-hand side. So maybe he thought, well, if I turn it back onto the left foot, i kill the defender and then i got the option both way and the goalie's wrong footed maybe but I don't, I, I, I just I just can't understand and it's frustrating just because of how woefully lackluster we've been in front of goal that you, you just expect better of somebody of his historical quality just to mm. go, you know what I'm just going to, just, just lever it first time, just get your shot off I, I, I can't get my head around it
1: no, I think it was. I think it's more that the fact that the the mind's willing, but the body isn't for him. Like Costa five years ago, he does. He turns onto his left foot and then he's got the whole goal, goal to aim at and he's bound to score. But like his grandfather time now almost is. Yeah, like I said, the mind's there, but I don't think the body's quite up to speed yet. And I think that's where the, the issue lay with him. You know what it sort of reminded me of? Cavalier own the um, FA Cup semi-final. Oh, don't say it, Rich.
3: No. I know, but I'm right, but he, You know, it's you like, he knows what he's trying to do, but the legs aren't quite telling him that, how, how mm. he needs to do it. Is he? <laughs> um, and I don't know. Like we 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 started brightly for that first ten minutes, and then I think Palace grew into the game a lot more. Despite not creating a lot of chances, there seemed to be like quite a steady flow of them getting the ball. Trying to knock it into the box, winning corners, um, getting throw-ins, but not necessarily creating anything. And the person I really wanted to highlight in that was Traore again because he seemed to give us that bit of bite in the midfield um, that we've been missing. And Andy, do you think that he's got Traore's got the potential to be the next Roman Sace in terms of? just giving us that little bit of shithouse, that little bit of bite yeah. where he's not, you know, he picked up a booking and he's going to be the sort of player who is going
1: to pick up bookings. Mm. He, he, bookings he truly really- earned that booking as well. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. like five, six little niggly little fouls. He did a great job, job on them. He looks like he's going to be a menace as well. Not like he doesn't look physically imposing because he, he's quite tall and skinny but the way he puts himself about, the way he gets about the pitch and just gets in there, and we haven't had that. We've had, I mean, Neves is great as a bit of a defensive player, but he's a bit more of a blockbuster kind of a player, whereas Bubakar Traore seems a bit of a shitbag. Like, he's just going to pull your shirt when you're just about to shoot and he'll throw you off balance. And that's the kind of player that I think we've been crying out for for some time. Like, as much as I love Moutinho, he's not that kind of a player. No. It's nowhere near mobile enough to do the job that, that Traore needs to be doing. So I, I thought he had a really good cameo. I mean, he was what, just under 60 minutes, ultimately. But I, I was pleased with that, and I've been pleased with whatever we've seen even when he's come off the bench as well. I really hope that we get to see him for you know more than just this season.
3: No, definitely. I think one of the things I noticed in terms of him playing in that defensive midfield role is that he prevented Kilman and Collins stepping out from the back a lot more. And I think in the first half that it, it very much showed. Um because Collins and Kilman I thought looked really solid in the first half, particularly Collins. Whereas after half time, which we'll come on to because it is light and day, it, they they looked exposed, they were stepping out, they were they were breaking the line. Um and he kind of just did a really good shielding job in my opinion, Tom.
2: I think the word I was using is just energy. He was just energetic. He was everywhere. He um, he got back really really well in, in, into position. But the one thing I like the most is he engaged so early. I mean, yeah, we were talking about it when we first signed him. We were looking at his pressing metrics. He, he engaged as as high up the pitch as he could. To be fair, um, he wouldn't let him turn. I think. You know, our, our our biggest problem is basically midfielders just running at us. And, and unfortunately, you know, like I say, you know, as much as we love Matino, he's not got the legs, they'll knock it around him and, and they're gone. So he'll bring him down or he'll just give a, a crafty wow. little foul away. But um, Troy, I didn't give him the chance, whether it be whether it be legal or, or not legal, he just didn't give him a chance to turn and run at us. Um, which, yeah, I, I agree, gave a bit more um, protection and, and, and allowed... Um, Collins and Kilman a bit of an easier ride to be, to be honest so uh, yeah I was really impressed I was really impressed and hopefully he's a now.
3: yeah um, Sean uh, Chrome YouTube comments has sort of stolen my next line which I'm slightly annoyed about but I'll let you have it Sean um, you know he says I love the real Troy he's better than Dendonka I'm not going to say he's better than Dendonka but I'm, we're judging this on 60 minutes right but he was doing the things that we were kind of hoping and expecting Dendonka does so Dendonka was a bit of a shadow chaser where and you know arguably Mm -hmm. you know blocking passing lanes or however whereas Troy Ray seems to say he engages he's he's snapping at heels in a in a different way and it it really shows um in my opinion but let's talk about the goal because we can focus a lot on the second half and the fact we lost but that's been that's one of the most enjoyable Wolves goals I've seen in a long time um (laughs) Right, like, it was just it was just old fashioned. It, it in terms of everything about it, I think it was a seven pass, nine pass move or something like that. We just broke broke from one end to the other. Winger doesn't track Bueno, who puts in one of the best balls I've seen from a Wolves player in modern era. Into that Barry Douglas-esque, you could say. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah,
3: and then Tryer just doing what you should be doing as a winger and. It, it it is very football basics is how i'd describe it and i don't mean that as a disservice to anybody but it is simple effective football but and it's just making sure you're doing the basics and that seems to be like what steve davis is trying to drill into them and i, I just really enjoyed it um so it was yes. a simple,
2: a simple goal, but it was, a, I think, it was a real quality goal as well. I think it was a really good footballing goal. the bravery to to break the press. There was a couple of really nice passes. The switch over was, was was excellent. Um, Buenos run was brilliant, and and yeah, you're absolutely right. What a cross and men in the box. Yeah, like men in the box. Like you said, that's a basic thing, a basic mm. thing that we haven't been doing for for nearly two years. Um, and it and it paid. Um, good header. Yeah, I mean, has there's a, there's a Troy ever scored a header before? Like full stop. Uh, I don't yeah, know he scored yeah. one for Wolves, but I don't think he's ever scored a header before. So yeah, fair play to him for that. Um, and yeah, you know, it, I, I I do like late Nori, but that had probably been about a three or four step over job and, and get you know getting mm-hmm. as close to the box as he could before he even thought about crossing it in. So it was nice to see a nice early whipped it, cross of of real quality.
3: Exactly. I can't imagine either of the other two left backs at the squad doing what he did, uh, Bueno did, and I, that that's a personnel thing, but we'd be screaming at ain't nori to, you know, do that. And I can't, again, I can't remember the last time I saw him deliver a, a solid crossing, let alone one of that quality. And I know that's what's all night, um Hugo brings to a team. And, you know, we let, us just talk about his performance in general. Cause I thought Simon was making his full league debut, similar to Troy, just did not look a step out of place whatsoever.
1: Um, I mean, uh, Andy, just it, it's as good a debut as you're ever going to see from anybody at any I, level, let alone we, a child. Uh, making his debut in I was going to say, League. ironically, probably as good a, a debut as Eight we had against Crystal Palace, um, <laughs> yeah. way, way back when, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it yeah, it is, isn't it? But it, it was fantastic. He played with such a level of maturity, and ultimately, I know that the second goal—no, sorry, the first goal. Did come from his side, but let's be honest, he wasn't the only person to be blamed in in that scenario. But I thought he was fantastic throughout the game. He got up and down the flank, like his energy levels were incredible, especially when, I know we'll come on to the second half, but you could see that the energy levels of a lot of other players dipped massively in that second half. Whereas I feel like he was the only one who kept up that throughout the 90 minutes. I thought he was genuinely excellent. I, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that he was our man of the match. I don't think it was even close if I'm perfectly honest. I thought he was exceptional.
3: Yeah. I I'd have had him down as man of a match for oh, if it wasn't for the second half. And mm-hmm. really I think he's a clear man of a match, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. He was brilliant. He was really, really good. And he's not he's not a big guy either, and he didn't didn't let that bother him and um you know, Palace's you're sort of three behind the striker or you could even say front four you know sort of feared for that you know you know by fullbacks because they you know, they're so direct and, and, and tricky fast skillful but you know I, I think he maybe got done once or twice but that, but that's it and and even then i think he recovered really really well so um yeah fantastic brilliant
3: yeah i i said like best debut i've seen in a walshirt for um a long time it's gonna be it's going to be interesting to see, I think, going forward, was how he competes for a space because I know Ate Norrie was ill, but he's been really poor this season, Eight Norrie. Um, you could argue Johnny's not necessarily a little world light, but I think he's going to have a chance at right back after yesterday as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that kind of nicely. I was going to say it nicely drags into the second half apart from, you know, we had a chance to make it two 0 right then with again, what would have been a sublime free kick um, from Ruben Nevers, which I think kind of bent time and space to get around that wall um, and to, to, you know, hit the post from it was, a, it was almost a miracle in itself, but the breakaway to get into that position anyway was still something that I've, struggled, I've not seen us do in a while. And that's, Partly because we've not been playing trial away as much through injury or form. But we just seen, we, in that first half, when we had the chances to break, we seemed to look a lot
1: more clinical than we mm. have done um, the last six weeks. I think it helped that when we, we were able to break, we felt like we broke as a team. Whereas yeah. under Bruno Large, it was very much one player would make a breakaway and they'd try and hit them that way which when you've got one player up against the opposition, it's not going to work. But this time it was two, three, four players joining the breakaway and it made such a difference. It actually gave players options to pass. Like it like it sounds so basic to think yes. to give your players an option, but we just hadn't been doing it for so long. So it was fantastic to see. And yeah, things didn't go the way we wanted to ultimately. But I do think that that first half did offer quite a lot of positives.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. I think if I remember right, I think the one where Troy got taken down, he, he could have maybe should have slipped Pedentzian because was right yeah. like next to him at the time. You know, so yeah, I think, to be honest, I've been saying this for, for ages, this team's been a counter-attacking team for for what, five years, six years, yeah. something like that. I can't remember, yeah. you know, is it even even in the Championship under Nuno, it's not like we, you know, passed teams to death. I still think we were best on the fast counter, counter-attacking and, and we have done so. Um I think it just suits the players that we've got, and and you know, I and mean, we'll talk about philosophies and managers in a bit. But um, yeah, I still think this team looks looks the, at its best when it's counter attacking.
3: Yeah, um, completely agree. I think it, I think it oh, suits the majority of the players. To be honest, um, let's talk second half because it didn't start great, um, conceding within the first two minutes, and that really seemed to knock our confidence. Um, which is a for a shame, because we did look solid in that first half. We don't get it wrong; Palace had chances, same as us, and they came out firing. But after the first, after the equaliser, the team just looked shot of confidence. And I think it was just—I don't think it helped that the goal was so easily preventable. And I know I wouldn't say blame—I know for it, but you could argue he should be doing more to try and cut out there across because at least they had a healthy amount of time I'd describe it to put the ball back onto his weaker foot. And then you've got the argument about, you know, is it Samedo or is
1: it Troy who should be picking up that runner? The fact neither of them do is poor. Yes. Yeah, so... I'm not I'm not sure what Samedo is doing to be honest, because I know he initially went to cover the centre half, but when the centre half drops back in, he just stands there like he doesn't then try and drop across. Trey um, Traore obviously could have tracked the runner, but it does feel like Semedo was the closest to one and it's very much within his zone. Um, yeah, I, I think they both need to hold their hands up and they, they both needed to have done a lot better there, to be honest. As you say, it, that felt like it was a really easily preventable goal yeah. and there was a few too many fuck ups in that uh, passage of play to to really like what happened there.
2: His body shape, Sameda's body shape's all wrong. If you watch mm. it back, he's just not, He's, you know, he's not in a position where he can do anything with it. Um, it's, it was just so frustrating because, you know, you heard the booze at half-time. There's a few chants, I think I heard the wall chanting, where's your famous atmosphere? And, you know, I'm no manager, but my, my team talks, just keep it quiet, just keep it nice and tight for 10 minutes, let the crowd get the back up. And we've done the absolute opposite. We've given them an early goal, let them back in, the crowd's up, momentum's up, and then we completely lost control. Um, i'd say first half we we controlled the half without dominating and then we lost we lost all control as soon as that goal went in. and it just shows the mental fragility of the team i think and and a team that's down the bottom of the table compared to a team that's you know at the, at the upper echelons we just couldn't turn the tide
3: yeah i think it's interesting you say that in terms of being able to turn the tide because obviously we i mean we, we... We didn't really look like scoring in the second half. But Palace, I think all, most of their points have then been coming back from behind. And it's it's just that difference in mentality that Palace didn't know when they were beaten. And we were the really mm-hmm. complete opposite. It was like, oh, shit, we've conceded. Here we go again. And we're better than that. Man for man, we are better than that. And... You know, I know Matt Bradley said in the YouTube comments, um, I can't remember a single occasion where Dharma's ever, ever tracked a runner. Um, it's, you know, f- fair enough. But I think with, um, cause I think it was the other trial away, a barbecue try who was the one who potentially could have caught up with Eze, and maybe that's the difference between a good midfielder and a, a top class one or a more mature mm. one because I, I, I remember I can't remember who it was against off top now but Ruben Neves tracking someone back right back to a six yard box earlier this season it might have been against Southampton and I'm not saying if Ruben Neves was, was there he'd have prevented that goal but it is just those little fine margins and you say it, it was so easily preventable. Um and we just seem to have lost we, we just seem to lose our way a bit and it, there, there was justifiable reasons for it um but i think after the 60th minute where or 58th minute if we're going to be precise um 56th even um we make a triple substitution they bring on guedes hodge and Rutinio for uh, the two trail race and nunez and and davis came out after it's just like look all three of them are carrying knocks well no um nunez um it nearly, injured, like nearly got his head taken off by Simon the first half. Hmm. Traore seems to be constantly carrying niggles at the moment and Traore's building his way up for Premier League fitness. But again, we, we just looked a shadow of the team when all, all those three subs came on. Do you think there's an argument that we should have at least tried to split the subs up a little bit more in terms of giving them a chance to bed into the game?
1: Most definitely. I think when you look... <clears throat> I think part of the issue is when you're bringing on those two midfielders in Moutinho and Joe, was it Joe Hodge who came out at that time as well? um, We lose all physicality in the middle there Mm -hmm. with those two substitutions. We've got two players who were five foot seven and five foot four. Like, No offence to short people, but when you're up against the people who are like, who look like they do at Crystal Palace, who are big, burly bastards, they are going to run through you every chance they get. And that's exactly what they did. We looked like we'd lost the fitness battle and we looked like we were losing the physicality battle. And those substitutions just killed us
2: the Adama threat as well you know we know what he's like when he gets in the final third he's, he's he's not great but teams are still scared of him and they won't push up as high when he's playing they just won't because you know you're going to get embarrassed so you you know you're allowing Palace to play 10 yards further up the pitch i know he said he had to make the changes and and and, and it probably says more about our bloody fitness and medical team than anything else that people just can't get through a bloody game or they can't get through two mm-hmm. games in you know, in a space of matter of days. So I mean, it sums it up for me that Costa and Costa's come from having no minutes in what nine months. Mm-hmm. Yet he can still get through games more than than half of this team. And and it's not it's not through because he doesn't run because he was running last night. He was he was closing down, and I was almost saying to myself, I'll well, stop doing that, mate, because you're gonna be off in no time. You know, gonna be blown out your ass. But we can't get Quang's always injured. Full-backs can't stay fit for longer than five minutes, or so they can't get through ninety minutes. Uh, the midfielders are always on rotation because they can't do it. I don't know what the hell's going on, but it's it's a massive issue because it's costing us points. I'm yeah. not saying that, that that necessarily we'd have won last night or, or got a point without those subs, but it, it definitely didn't help. But, um, and if they needed, they needed to they just talk about the red zone, don't know. If they needed to be made, they needed to be made, but that, that mm. there's a bigger issue there for me.
3: Yeah, it's been since game one of the season against Leeds. Mm. Like We had a complete yeah. drop-off, didn't we? Uh, 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 sort of 60, 70 minutes and... It's so, it's worrying because it goes back to like the fundamental basics that you need to be able to get through a ninety minute football match, and too many of our players aren't able to do it on a on a regular basis. You look at the likes of Eight Norrie, and no I know he had he, he was unwell, um, which is why Reno was arguably starting, but he struggles to play two three games in a week, and mm. like, that's
1: on at the start of their career. Mm. Yeah, it's, just, it, it's it, appalling, it's isn't it? If you look, I don't think, like, we've got three full-backs at the club, all of which uh you know, early to late 20s. They're in the prime of their career. I think it's 29, I believe, or it yeah. might even be early 30s. Either way, they should be able to get through these games. But we haven't had a run this season where we've had two of them playing consistently and playing consistently well. There's always at least one of them getting subbed off. For whatever reason, and it's it's worrying. It really is a worrying stat. I think the only players who haven't, you know, have completed the ninety minutes have been Kilman and whoever is accompanying Kilman in in central defence. Everyone else seems liable to get taken off at any point.
3: Yeah, and
1: it seems to be a fitness issue above all else. I like what the fuck were they doing during the summer if they weren't doing all of the the laps that they needed to be doing to get fit for a Premier League season. And the fact it, they've got a World Cup in the middle of it, like yeah. you don't need to be fit to do the whole year, get to the World Cup, then go again, reassess it. But I just I don't understand what the fuck they've been doing for the last god knows how many months. It's, it's Mate, you, really you made the worrying. point about
2: you made the point about Bueno as well. I mean, he was racing mm. down that touchline. I, I remember one right in the last minute, all game he was doing that. And he, you know, he, the, the under twenty three seems to be playing like you know two times a week. It's a, you know yeah Katie's young and stuff but yeah Aitnour he's young and he can't you can't get through 90 minutes he's always going off a cramp on about 85 mm-hmm. um, I just you know Brennan probably hasn't been training with the first team so I don't know what the hell they're doing like you said fitness wise it's a joke and they haven't been practising bloody shooting we know that much so I don't know what the hell they're doing
1: <laughs> no
3: it, 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 it's so worrying and again the second goal uh, you know it just felt easily preventable I know like it was a half sort of grew into the game a lot more um but again just like silly things like i don't tomato should have been doing better you could argue kilman has got himself in the in a bit of a tough position as well and it just it just felt as opposed to the first goal it just look we just looked so exposed um and yeah it, it, it is frustrating um because again, we've then struggle to get chances. Apart from, you know, in the dying minutes where Nathan Collins almost uh, nabs one in with, I think he he was very much saved by the offside flag. Uh, <laughs> because if Guedes wasn't inexplicably half a yard offside, despite having the full line of sight of five Crystal Palace players, like, I mean that 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 goes down to like a miss of the season if if that's not flagged for offside.
1: Yeah, it was it was an embarrassing. That's on like your um, Danny Baker's collections come Christmas time, isn't it? Yeah, it was a shocker <laughs> that was.
2: I yelped, and the miss- you know wife came in and wondered what the hell was going on. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what noise I made. It was the most bizarre noise in the world. I just couldn't believe what I was, was seeing.
3: I mean, it was a great run. He did oh, it. Yeah. right. In terms <laughs> of you know, cause he played like cause he, ne- he nabbed the ball. I think it was the halfway line, carried it forward, sprayed a pass out to the left i think it was initially and then kind of continued on his run it's like great but yeah that uh, yeah again i think i just about managed to just fight by goreda's being really poor yeah again um and and say so just just the fundamental basics of you know just just looking down the line um but i was gonna say we, we mentioned about diego costa was it a bit of a joy to see him um riling up um anderson and um <laughs> g- g- giving a bit of the diego cost we've all come to i was going to say know and love
2: yeah I was, I was i was quite i thought i was impressed I, I, with, with his all-round sort of play. to be honest and I, I missed that chance but um yeah his physicality he held the ball up pretty well um and yeah those little bits and pieces are just a bit of added entertainment to be honest because i not got much to be entertained with so at least yeah. that's providing something um mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's decent. As I say, I, I, I don't, I don't think we can be relying on him to be an you know, answer to our goal-scoring prayers or whatever. But um, I'm enjoying watching him play for us. I was
3: going to say he's, he's a step up from Huang. I guess let's be honest, that's the alternative. And when I don't even remember Huang touching the ball when he came on, I'll be honest.
1: Yeah. He probably did at some point, but who knows? Like yeah. he's just an enigma. is in uh Huang.
3: Yeah again like there, there, there was a there was a couple of half chances and over ball broke to hodge in the middle of the box but again i don't think there was any point where it was like we, we're gonna score we're gonna get this equalizer um and again it just goes you know into the collection um, as it were these days let's have a quick look at the table um before we kind of discuss the future as it were um I know it's not necessarily happy reading, guys, um, because a a, a point or draw, I know there's currently games being played, so the table's probably slightly shifted um, since then. But, you know, there was a a point where a win yesterday would have really propelled us out of this tricky patch, so to speak, Mm. and would have given us a bit of elevation. Even a point would have just given us that bit more breathing space um and it's so it's so frustrating because yesterday's game wasn't you know w- was a game we could have got points from i don't necessarily think we deserve to win on the balance of play um i do think palace you know more than deserved something out of the game but that's the sort of game you need to shout out to point from yeah. It. it is if
1: you want to survive in the Premier League, you need to be looking at matches against these teams in and around where we expect to be at the end of the season. and We've got to be targeting them for points. Um, and we I mean, we got that goal ahead, but we never really challenged them, even in the first half when we were having better positions and, and doing well. I don't feel we ever really tested greater. And then in the second half, no. we just didn't test them at all. So, I think you are right on the balance of play. If I was a Palace fan, I would be furious if I didn't come away with three points there. Um, And and looking at that table, I've just looked, Southampton have won their game tonight. So, we've dropped back into the bottom three. You are right, it would have just made a world of difference to have picked up at least a point. It would have had us up at like 15th maybe, and all of a sudden you're looking the other way rather than behind you still.
3: yeah. It's, it's going to be a, i was going to say interesting to see how the landscape changes over the coming weeks and hopefully uh, for the better because we might have a new manager um in charge before you know it we're going to talk about um michael Beale, um and also having a quick look at the leicester game right after a short break catch you in a second
0: guys Hi all, Gully from Wolves Fancast here, and just like all of you long-suffering Wolves fans, I know exactly what it feels like to be lacking a creative spark here, some outside-of-the-box thinking there, but our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media, are here to help. They're a creative agency that cover all of your web design, branding, and marketing needs, with our very own WolvesFancast.com, a fine example of their work, so much so that I hear Jeff Shee is looking to do a deal this summer. For now, it's back to the team to ask just where the Diogo Jotun when he is gone. We might have just had our answer.
3: Hello, welcome back everybody. Um, I guess we, we've... sense we'll have hopefully managed to move on from the Nuno Santo rumours over the weekend. And now we have our what I hope is our prime target in sight. Because I don't think... Steve Davis has done a bad job as caretaker manager, but I think a permanent solution is, is sort of needed. And it's pretty much been confirmed that he is the number one choice for Wolves now after a couple of weeks of deliberations, um, for those who aren't aware, uh, Michael Beals, the current QPR manager, um, but has a pretty good track history in terms of his coaching ability and being an assistant manager at Rangers and Aston Villa as well. Interestingly, as a stint of um, as a assistant manager at Sao
1: Paulo in Brazil. It's a bit of an odd one. I'm just looking at his playing career as well because he's not someone I particularly know. Uh, according to Wikipedia, which is always 100% accurate, um, he was at Charlton Athletic between 98 and 2001. Then he went to FC20 for uh, 2001. And then we've, he's got nothing up until 2017, when he went to Sao Paulo. That, that's um, that's an interesting career path, isn't it? That
3: yeah, I, thought, I find it fascinating. So I think, sort of, from what I gather, he's very much a coach's coach. Which one of the big things I've seen around Fosen is there. We've had it with Nuno, and we had it with Bruno in terms of them being, I guess, much more coaches than managers in the sense that they're looking to improve players rather than necessarily Hmm. just i need lots of money to bring in a fully finished player Uh, you might argue that's focusing on the cheap and everything but i don't know i think that there's a lot of merit in hiring someone like michael beale i'm I'm trying to talk myself into being positive about it but (laughs) i think considering all the other candidates that we've been hearing about
1: I get the upside in hiring him if, if
3: it does go through.
0: I, think I agree. The fact yeah.
1: that it's, it's not another Mendes name. I think yeah. it makes a big difference. Uh, a lot of the fans have got quite tired of us being Mendes FC. I think um, obviously it's always been a Portuguese name or Italian as it was when we very first started. Um, but we've always been linked with the, the next Portuguese big thing. So to go to a British based British manager, it feels like a big departure from where they were going previously. So it does feel quite refreshing in those terms, the fact that we're looking at something else and maybe something different to what we've been sold previously.
2: He's really, really highly regarded. Just, Mm. you know, obviously when we first started getting links, you know, you'd have a little read around and stuff, and everyone, players, managers who he's worked for, they speak incredibly highly of him. I think he... Sounds that he took all the training sessions um, at, at Villa, and um, I think the bulk of them at Rangers as well. Rangers are desperate for him apparently to be their their next gaffer, um, and I, I really like it when um, English um, players and, and and managers go and and, and try themselves and, and learn in a different in a different country. I mm. think it, it, as as a, a race of people, we're very we seem very reluctant to do that, especially from a footballing sense. So I think it's really. Uh, refreshing when people do that, and um, I think at the moment everyone's sort of in, you know, trying to get the new Potter, aren't they? And, and, and I think he's the one that's been sort of, um, you know, spoken about in those in those terms. And I know Potter had obviously a really bizarre sort of career path as as well um, as, as as a manager. And I watch. I don't know if anyone caught the game tonight. I mean, only, only caught. I'm not going to say I've been watching much of QPR, but. Um, I mean, I watched I watched the game before before we came, or at least the first half. Um, and yeah, I was We're quite three impressed. Three nil in the end. Yeah, yeah three I nil. Mean, yeah, Cardiff had a man sent off after about eighteen minutes or something. It was a bit unfortunate, so he couldn't really take too much in. But in the the bits that I watched, it was it was quite good. It's quite high intensity, high press, um, attacking fullbacks, um, lots of men in the final third, which is uh, which was enlightening. Uh, I mean, Cardiff were god awful. They were absolutely <laughs> terrible. They were terrible. Nothing's changed there from when, when we used to play them. But um, yeah, it looked um, it looked like a good good brand of football. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. I'm 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 all in now. After all the the, the 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 dross that we've been linked to recently, it's just nice. I think it's 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 the best one, the best option we've got out there, to be honest. So um, let's do it. And like you say, it's a bit refreshing. It's a bit different from the norm, and when we need something like that at the moment.
3: Yeah, it doesn't feel, hopefully, too much of a panic move either. That it might be, you know, trying to apply, you know, facts to theory or theory to facts or whatever. But there, there seems to be a lot of boxes that are being ticked in the fact that, you know, he he will still fit into the Wolves template and project in terms of the players that we have and being able to help develop them but hopefully bring in something new because you could argue it has got a little stale under, you know, being on the Mendes conveyor belt. It's mm. meant for it's been, the wheels only been going kind of in one motion. And hopefully this will give us the opportunity. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, because obviously Rob Edwards, what, this time last week, was it had an interview for a coach's job. And I don't know. I've been, intrigued to see if that's something that then gets followed through into Michael Beale the Michael Beal, because the only downside I can see around um, hiring Beale is his lack of head coach experience but you look at how well he's done with QPR so far this season and nothing I don't think you can discredit him and you know Bruno hadn't had many head coach jobs before he uh, he, he joined Wolves I suppose.
1: It's very true. I mean, did Q did QPR go back top of the league tonight with that win?
2: Yeah, or or at least
1: they're on joint same points as top of the league. It's fantastic. He's been there four five months. Yeah, four months I think since June. So to turn around QPR, who have always been a lower mid table championship team for as long as I can remember, to put them into a position that they're in now is incredible, especially in a league that is an absolute basket case like the championship. Oh, it's mental. Um, it is. He's done a really good job of getting some consistency there. He's lost 4 games in 15 in a competitive mm. league. That that's a great record.
2: He's in the top of that league. It's so surreal. Oh. So like Burnley yeah. have played I looked at this. So Burnley played 14 before tonight. I don't know how they got on tonight. Burnley I think was second or or maybe third, but they've played 14 games. They've just won they've won 6 games out of 14. And Blackburn, who were top before tonight, have played 16 and lost seven of them. Yeah, it's, mental. it's just It's just absolutely uh, b- yeah. bizarre. Just bizarre.
1: There's two teams who've lost more games, or at least before tonight's games. It was Hull, who were in 21st, and Huddersfield, who were in 23rd. They're both the only two teams who've lost more games than the team who were top of the league this morning. I, I, I do dread if we ever get relegated and having to go back to that league, because it's... It's always a nightmare and it looks like things haven't changed to be perfectly honest. <laughs>
3: yeah, it, it, it is bonkers and the fact that it, it I was gonna say it's competitive. I, I, I don't know whether you say it's competitive, if the quality is good or bad, but just each one seems to be on about level footing, which is why you've got teams who will lose you know, two teams can lose six games after, you know, a third of the season could be miles apart in the table Mm. it is an absolutely bonkers division and and, you know frankly it's a nightmare for a lot of teams to get out of um but you know credit where credit's due because qpr aren't exactly a big spender anymore so he's Mm. obviously had to coach these players and be a bit savvier in terms of what he's getting out of them and to, to be in the position that they're in with the likes of you know some of those other teams who are pushing pushing back um, I think it's definitely credit where credit's due um, it'll be interesting to see if Wolves can get a deal done before the game against uh, Leicester on Saturday um, and whether Sunday you know, is, it, is it Sunday oh, yeah, Sunday it gets an yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, or whether we kind of it's one of those where he's announced and you know they have the unveiling before the game but it's it's Davis in charge, sort of thing. It'll be uh, be interesting to see if we actually get anything done, or no, Wolves. We managed to completely fudge it up anyway, and we'll go we'll go back to Pedro Martins or wherever. But in terms of um the Leicester game, I mean, they're obviously in no great shakes themselves. Do you think it's going to be similar to Forest? That it's going to be, you know, I was about to say something re- really, really. Uh, really annoying to Andy here where I was going to say, like two bold men fighting over a comb um <laughs> uh, actually, that, 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 that will offend the bold community slash myself who was going that way myself um but do you think that either team is going to be able to pull themselves out of the myriad of mediocrity or do you think it's just going to be sort of two bad teams just slogging it out
1: it's going to end up like coming down to one moment of magic from either Neves or Madison, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you look at the, the rest of the team around it, there's not enough that's really producing anything. But when you look at Leicester, I mean, they concede a lot, but they also, they've scored five out of those four games mm. that you just put up on screen. Um, Like, they've got a, a half decent scoring record, and we don't seem to be able to score for shit. So, Uh, I I think it's going to be, it's not going to be one for the neutral to watch. I can tell you that for now. I think it's going to be a miserable afternoon for anyone wanting to watch the match. But fingers crossed we'll come out on top.
2: Yeah. Big game. Yeah, as as they all are now. Uh, Yeah, I I think they've got, we've got a test key because that, what actually, I don't know if I want to say anything now, because I'm just going to jinx it all night, but they need to, (laughs) they need to rain shots in, um, if, if we even have the capacity to do that. Um, yeah, very suspect at the back, but they've got a lot of quality. They'll be better than Forest. I guarantee that they'll be better Mm -hmm. than Forest. So we need to be better than we were against Forest if we want to win, in my opinion. And I think probably, I still think last night we were actually probably better than we were against Forest. to be honest. I think we, we look more threatening, um, so maybe there's a gradual improvement happening. I don't know. We've we been definitely... in the been in the box last night. Yeah, we got, you know, we, we, I mean, it's been the case all season. I still, are, I still say we're we're good. I don't always say say actually very good getting up to the final third. The ball goes anywhere near the box, and it's like you know they've never seen a football before. Mm. It's just like I think she's got yeah. to a stage where it's just a mentality thing. They're just the the brains are fried when they get anywhere close to the box. Um, so you know, I think there were there were more encouraging signs last night. You know, there's still more more chances. As I say, we we carved out, you know, that cost Costa chance, and I still think there was there was like chances for chances, if that makes any sort of sense. So there was not, yeah. you know, it was just what the last pass or the last touch or um just the ball falling. It just didn't seem to drop. I mean, that Hodge one that you mentioned, you know, just it just wouldn't drop for him to put his laces through it. Um, so yeah, we just need. And, and yeah, the inside of the post with Neves. We just need that little. We just need the tide to turn. It's that little bit of luck that just just gets us a a scrappy win and and let's build from there.
3: Yeah, I I agree. We just I do think I do think it's a mentality thing that it just it almost just takes that like, one extra player just to take that risk, or that gamble to break into the final mm. third or to support the man. And one of the things I was thinking about is all of Wolf's chances they were all quite different so like we never got i don't know let's say the opportunity to for bueno to swing in too many other crosses he had that great one in the second half i think it was where he got the ball quite deep and managed to knock it past the man and get it into the box and didn't quite know what to do with it
2: yeah i remember mm-hmm. that one but yeah
3: a, and, and that was frustrating because I've, I've seen eight norway do it enough and Again, it's just it's just knowing what to do in situ, you know in those situations, but I don't know, me as a novice football fan, I appreciate. I can't think, well, hang on, if we've just created you know if we scored a chance where we've managed to open up the pitch for Bueno to swing in a really dangerous delivery, why don't we try and create more opportunities from this method? And it, we we just sometimes do seem to lack that bit of confidence in terms of I'm not saying oh we should do it every time but Elise, uh, Elise on the on Palace's right must have tried that same cross a good five or six times in different in slightly different variations mm. because they know they've got the place to do it and yeah we 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 know we've got the players to do it chiefly because we fucking scored from it. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and if it isn't try away at the back post, you've got Diego Costa, you've got Nunez, who's trying game after game to be that extra
1: man as well. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. We never play to our strengths, though, do we? No. I feel like we we've always try and there's a little bit of the Arsene Wenger early Arsenal, the wanting to score the perfect goal about it. Except for we're nowhere near as good as them when it came down to it, but we 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 almost feel like it's reluctant to do something as cheap as just swinging a crossing and scoring when it worked. Yeah, it, it's that reluctance to just gamble a little bit more. I think, and it, it it's going to keep biting us on the ass until we we stop doing it. To be perfectly honest, mm.
2: but the yeah. British has had years. They've probably had years of putting the ball in the box and absolute jack shit happening. And now it's yeah. got to stage. Well, okay, mm-hmm. it's in the head. So you know, when that classic, you know, and we've spoke about it many times. that Bruno U shape around the box. Yeah. We'll get out wide where we could put a cross in, but let's not bother because we know we're going to score. We've got no players in the box. Got Jimenez who won't head the ball anymore. So let's come back out again. And so I think it's just it's it's just so it, with with football, it's, sort of like, it's just ingrained in, in, in Mentality is just such a, a massive part of sport and. Um, you know, football in particular, you pick up like winning's a habit, losing's a habit, and and what you do on the pitch is a habit as well. And I think it's just it's just ingrained into them now, not to even bother mm. trying. Yeah. And and and, it, and and you know, it came. And that cross came from someone who hasn't been in the first team and had that way of playing. He's been been yeah. the under 23s who play, you know, do put crosses in the box, you know. And it just it just point. sums sums he, it up for me.
3: Yeah, he's literally um, come from a team where they have wing backs who do a wing backs job, which is to you know bomb it down the line and whipping it, you know, teasing across. Um, So, yeah, I'm interested to sort of see how either Davis or Bill or whoever, they say, how are they going to make us score goals? Because it's been an issue for so long. A couple of questions we've had come through. Um, So, uh, Andy Smith asks, Gwedez, what does the future hold for him? And who is our best left back in the current squad? And, I mean, Guedes.
2: Can he needs to pull his finger out Trin- his ass. It's, it's, it's I've, a I've
3: seen, more from, I've seen yeah. more from Trinkau. At this point, yeah. I don't think this is overreactionary. I'd rather spend that money on Trincao. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Martin. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I thought Trinkau at least showed glimpses of promise, whereas I haven't seen anything from Guedes to to really suggest that he's got anything at all about him. I mean, Stu keeps talking about how when he was at Valencia, he was uh, very, very... um, His output was very good as a second striker, but we don't play that way, so really what's the point in him being in and around the team? As a left winger, he hasn't got a left foot. As a right winger, he can't look along the fucking line to make sure he's onside. So, honestly, what what does the future hold for him? Fucked if I know, because... I'd happily ship him out tomorrow, to be perfectly honest.
3: Well, as uh, as Sean Crow says in the YouTube comments, "Greatest to grasshoppers." Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, just it is not. I I know no one's had, but you could argue one, maybe two players so far this season have been good for Wolves. But again, for Son with the outlay of him, at least with Nunes, who's coming for more money, we've seen glimpses. We've mm. seen a bit we've seen a bit of something where I don't know, I'm 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 not quite seeing it at the moment. But um in terms of left back, who's your first choice left back at the moment, Tom? Um
2: yeah. I'd I'd go you can't you can't say Bueno after one game. Um, no. although though it was very um impressive. Um last season I said Probably Johnny when he came back. So I thought it was really good when he came back mm. last season. But this season I don't know what's happened. It's um if this had been at the back end of last season, that'd have been fair enough. You know, you've been out for two years, but he came back so well at the back end of last season, I was mm. expecting so much more. Um I'd probably I probably would go eight. Nori,
1: I'd, Just... I'd agree with that. I, I thought Eight Nori played quite well against Forest, to be fair, but you are right, there's there's no one really who set the world alight. Um, in regards for Leicester, I would probably stick with Baino because I, I do feel that, you know, a good performance should be rewarded with another start. So I would stick with him. I wouldn't say he's the best left back at the club, but I think he deserves his shot now.
3: Yeah, I think I think that's the probably the most politically correct answer in a day of frankly not politi- much political correctness <laughs> um, <laughs> going on. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know how you can. Unless Bueno's kind of cramped up or whatever, you've got if just got to start him because he, he deserves it. And he was refreshing. And so he gave us the natural width we've been crying about and actually gave us an output as well, which isn't something a lot of our players yeah. do. Um, next up, um, I really liked this question uh, from Martin on Twitter. Which players from the 2011-12 relegation squad would get into the current team facing a relegation battle? Um Jarvis would walk into a team and Fletcher before his head's gone moment. Any others? I thought it was an Uh, interesting uh, one.
2: Any any striker. Fletcher or Doyle. And then, yeah, probably Jarvis, but that's probably about it for me.
1: Yeah, I think I mean Carl Fletcher, uh, Carl Fletcher. I'm thinking a fucking dream (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, I'd get I'd be all in. uh, Yeah. Uh, Stephen Fletcher, yeah, he was he was excellent for us in the Premier League. It's just a shame he was a bit of a prick. Um, obviously, like I know I'll get pelters, but fucking Dave Edwards is the kind of player that we, we do need. That's someone breaking from midfield to be an extra body in the box. I know he doesn't have the output that you particularly want, but we haven't had anyone do that for quite a long time at this point. And we've said several times on this podcast tonight... We don't get enough players in the box. He's the kind of player that we need. So, yeah, Dave Edwards. Nunes out. (laughs) (laughs) Nunes out. Get
0: rid of of Tad Nunes, no.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to think think of literally anybody else, but no. Um, Fletcher, I think Fletcher did have a good knack of actually trying to create chances for himself as well, and would at least head a ball, mm. you know, but bare minimum. Jarvis again, I think, would be a fun, fun addition. Maybe similar to like Michael Kitely, um on the other side as well. Who kind of came back during that period as well. Um, but again, when you
1: compare the the back line,
3: and you know,
1: mm. I mean, <laughs> I'm just looking at the the team here from from that season. If you look at the defense, I mean, I love George Ellacobe, but. He's not a wing-back, is he? Let's be honest. Mm. Richard Stearman, Jody Craddock, who's got a, a good goal return in the Premier League, in, the, in his fairness. Stephen Ward would have been our full-back back then. Fucking drunk Roger. Christoph Berra. Mm. No. I, don't, I don't think any them would be an upgrade on what we've got, and I don't feel like what we've got is particularly great at the moment uh, either.
3: Yeah. I was going to say, it does make me feel slightly better in terms of Wolves current situation but yeah this it, it feels like players who are underperforming as opposed to just players who are poor and mm. not of the right of the right standard um slightly more light-hearted question so noting our spaniards performance uh deserve praise uh which do you prefer uh, with your tapas um uh white
1: or red rioca See, I, I like a red. I, I'm. I i I find that white wine just tastes like vinegar after a while. So I prefer a red, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I'll go red. But I'm not a massive tapas fan. Tapas just means less food. So yeah. it's just it's just a smaller <laughs> dish. I don't want a smaller dish. I want a bigger dish, please.
3: And having to share.
2: Yeah. They
3: always do mm. it because it. The thing that I find frustrating um, with it is a the sharing element, but the uneven portions. Yeah, so, don't give
1: me five there's two of us yeah
3: yeah <laughs> why are you doing that why are you giving me a prime number when <laughs> there is clearly not that amount of people here
1: it, yeah it, i'm with you there
3: it, 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 it is offensive in my opinion um so uh Wayne, um Mackie asks: uh, Do these players have a fighting room to stave off a relegation dogfight? Um, majority seem to have a soft underbelly. Concede a goal and they literally put up a white flag. I guess it links into what we were saying earlier that they really struggle to have that, you know, not known when they're beaten mentality at the moment. And I don't know how easy that is to change, or whether, as we said, losing is a habit, so is winning. But they just need to put together a run of results and get a couple Mm. of those plucky
1: wins It is and I think the thing when you look at teams who go into relegation battles they generally go like, I don't know, maybe 70% of the season, playing poorly, a bit like we are now but there's always a turning point where they might not be winning matches but they're fighting for it and we don't look like we're anywhere near fighting for these results at the moment We do look like we've got a very soft underbelly currently and That is a bit worrying. I do feel like we need a bit of steel. I'm hoping maybe Traore might be that catalyst Mm. to have a little bit more of a fight. I know it's pinning a lot of hopes on a young guy, but he does look like he's got the capability to give us a a bit of fire in our bellies. And same with someone like Costa. He may not give us a shitload of goals, but he's a bastard. And we do need that, I think. And it's about embedding those guys into our team and letting their bastardness... Seep into the other players. I think um, we'll get there. I think we'll get there.
2: Hopefully. Yeah, I think I think I think the surrenders a bit harsh. I think if you look at the games that we've lost this season, I think even like even like City at home, they could have easily just like given mm. it the ghost, and they got whacked six seven or whatever. But to be honest, they did show a bit of fight, and that was in the last, who they didn't have any time for clearly. Um, I'm not saying it's all it's all rosy at all, but I, I still think last night, although I didn't feel confident we were going to get it back in the game, I didn't feel like they gave up. I didn't think it was from lack of trying. I think I think the effort was there. It was just, you know, the application. I think it's more with me, like, are they, are they sort of players in it? You know, would you want a player like, I'm not picking him out, but would you like players like Pedence in a relegation dogfight? Probably not. He's not that type of player you want in that sort of scenario for me. Mm. Um, you want the gritty, like you say, the gritty people, you want the clusters, you know, the, from what we've seen of, of Troy right? it's like Nevers. it shows, you know, mm. he's got quality, but he's got heart, you know, and the mentality he gets about the pitch. Even, you know, I wouldn't say so much uh, Kilman, but Collins looks like he's got a little bit of that about him, but again, it's early days there, so I don't know, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm still... I'm still I'm a bit more optimistic after tonight's hopefully hopefully developments and that th- th- we'll see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel I think and, and you only have to look at what happened with Newcastle last season I mean that everyone written them off at much like much much later than this like I know they spent a little was- bit of money in January but they were bottom by a mile and they finished they they, they finished tenth or, or, or ninth or something like that. Yeah, so about, about it can change very quickly. Uh yeah. and we you know we've got January to come, the World Cups are reset, new manager, new ideas. We're gonna have quite a few players that aren't gonna go um, to the World Cup so we can implement those ideas, hopefully get some bloody fitness into their legs and and let's regroup and go again.
3: So something that I, I only just thought about now, wouldn't it feels like some of these players haven't necessarily had the wake-up call because we've not we we, we used two-one last night. We've had quite a couple of, a kind of quite close results. Only really against the likes of Man City and Chelsea were we really you know struggling. You know really have kind of pegged back in terms of the number of goals. Do you think we almost needed a result, arguably under large, where we did get, you know, Spanks four, five, for some of these players to really understand? Because the, the the football's a game of fine margins, and Wolves have been historically a team who play on those fine margins. So we've kind of rode the crest of the fine margins in a positive way, and now we're on the other end of it and struggling to pull our way out of it and into Silver some of these players need to grasp that. And I, I, I feel like I'm picking on him when I say Guedes just doesn't seem to like have that attitude, that fight. Whereas, you know, the likes of Neves shows it. And, uh, you know, you, the, the the couple you mentioned, Tom, in terms of Neves and Collins, you know, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me. They, they've both been captains and, and stuff like that. It just feels that mm. we're struggling in that little bit of an area. Just, that some of these players need to understand that, you know, losing isn't all right. And mm. it, it, or, I guess that sounds bad when I say it. you know there's 19 good teams in this division um, when you exclude Forest, but it, it, every game's losable. It doesn't kind of matter who you are necessarily. So we can kind of go, oh well, us losing to Palace isn't a new thing. It isn't an unexpected result. Neither is necessarily losing to Leeds um, or to West Ham. But as soon as you start justifying those as, uh, you know, as, as things that can happen, the mentality has gone. And it sort of feels like we're kind of there at the moment, mm. in my opinion. Hopefully you say a new manager, you know, redraws the line and, you um, yeah, we can hopefully have a better attitude. Last question we've got um in, it, it's something about things we mentioned before, but um, we need to admit that these players aren't as good as we think we are. Um, the last thing we need is a tick attacker, um, is these tick attacker football players in a relegation scrappers. We can't kind of alluded to I can't believe I'm saying this, but we need to get Sean Dyche in. Uh, that is from Hall Stew?
2: I was going to say, he spelt "stew" wrong there,
1: and not he?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I, 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 get what you're saying, but we also do need to still play football to get out of this. In a way, we we, mm-hmm. we just we we need to be a lot. We just need to be a lot more decisive in playing good football.
2: It's the way he says, oh, we you know, we don't need ticky tacky type football players to do it. It's tough. We've got them now. What are we supposed to do? Yeah. They're, they're here. You're not yeah. going to replace 11 players in January. So tough shit. You've got to make do. So, yeah. and l-
1: Let's not forget, Dyche got Burnley relegated last season. So realistically, why would we be looking at him? It's not for me. I'm sorry. But I said it last time, Dyche isn't the man to get the best out of these players. He just isn't like we've got a team who don't play the way that he historically plays. He's not going to come in and get them all of a sudden to be this 4-4-2 four, four, fucking two team that we expect a Sean Dyche team to be. It just wouldn't happen. He will just end up trying to play that way with a bunch of tiki-taka players. And it would be even worse than it's been already. He's yeah. got no
2: t- has got one striker, so four four is out the window instantly. And <laughs> yeah, he's just, so you just forget, it. <laughs> forget
3: yeah. it. It ain't gonna work. It no. it simply isn't and yeah. I, 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 I do feel sorry for the manager who's coming in, but at least you know, the number of get ga- you know, the, the number of games between now and the essentially the window opening is limited and he's got he's gonna have the World Cup break not as many of our players are going to be there and we'll have a chance to hopefully work on some of the chinks that have been so apparent in terms of fitness and goal scoring in recent weeks. Uh, That wraps it up for today's show. Um, Big thanks to everyone who's listened live on YouTube and everyone who's listened back to it on YouTube or as a podcast. Uh, Shout outs to our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media and also the 90min Network as well. Make sure you follow Wolves Fancast for all your Wolves lols and trolls, um, and that's at Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, though, it's goodbye from Andy. Peace. See you later, guys. It's goodbye from Tom. Night all. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time.